Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, those of you who are joining us online, I'm glad you're here. You're, you're in for a special treat because I've been told many times that if I didn't have my hands, I couldn't speak. <laughs> we will find out today if, if that is indeed true. So, you know, I, I read quite a bit. And, and many of the, the books that I read about preaching and teaching and things, they say, you know, speak from where you are. Talk about what you've been through because there's two things that are going to happen. You're going to discover that others have also been there. And that out of what you're going through, there's someone else on the, on the edge of that or already been through it that just needs to be encouraged that, you know, it's going to be all right. So, you know, I'm hoping that today, you know how they say, what is it, the one-armed coat hanger is no, of no use? I'm hoping that's not true of the preacher. So we'll find out today <laughs> if that's the case. But really what I wanted to talk about is, is gracefully broken. You know, and there's a, a grace that comes with situations in our lives. There's a, a grace that we need. There's a, a seeking of grace. There's grace you don't even know you need. But then when something happens that interrupts the total flow of everything you do, you don't realize how much grace you need and how often you need to seek it and how unwilling sometimes we are to even receive it. You know, when somebody says, oh, let me help, you know, I got it. How many, how many times during the day do we, do we do that? But then you're brought to that point where you're like, oh, please, yes, and can you come back tomorrow and do it again? Right? So, you know, I, that's the situation I'm kind of finding myself in. You know, and, and so, you know, I've discovered that there are inconveniences of healing. Right? You say, what? I'm praying for healing. I'm asking God to continue to heal me. I, I have a pastor friend that said, look, you know, before you had this done, there was a lot of pain. I said, yeah, you're right. She goes, now there's a lot of pain, but it has a destination. The destination's healing. You can grunt and moan and, and get your, you know, go to the dollar store. I know I bought them out of pain patches, those little ones you stick on before I got this done. Because, you know, you, you tolerate, you endure. But that pain doesn't have a future it has a continuation. But when you've made some decisions, when you started to change some things, then you can expect a different result. It may be inconveniencing on the way, but you can expect something good or different to happen because something's changed. And that's, that's not just true of surgical things. That's heart things. When you don't change anything, you can't expect a different result. When you're going to stay, I'm going to stay the way I am, don't expect grace to meet you and carry you over where you're not willing to go. Uh, I don't know if I... So anyway, when the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of change, you change. All right, so that sounds real complicated. In other words, when it finally got to the point I could not stand it, I said, yes, let's fix it. Right? But it's funny how we will push ourselves right to the edge of the extreme I cannot stand it. Or somebody gives you a diagnosis or a prognosis or something that pushes you over that edge of no more before you'll change. You knew before it got to the extreme that you probably needed to do something, but you figured you'd wait it out. Again, I'm not talking about just physical things. I'm talking about heart things, head things, emotional things. So, when the pain of change... Right? So at some point in the middle of this process, that seemed a logical place to go. Right? I had, ex I had experienced enough that I was willing to consider things that I had always said I'd never do. Have you ever experienced something enough that all of a sudden you're eating the very words that you said, I will never do that? <laughs> right? 
And the next thing you know, you're like, roll me in, let's go. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, we do that all the time. We say, oh, I'm never going to be like them, or I won't ever be like my mother. Watch yourself, because it's coming. <laughs> right? Watch yourself. You want to be real careful, but all of a sudden, they're, they're crazy. Initially, a year ago, this was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs nuts. Now was a very reasonable option. I was willing. But when I went to the doctor, before all that, and he's telling me, well, it's going to take three of these, two of those, six of these, nine of these. You need to meet with a financial person. Have you noticed now they set you up? You got the financial plan. You got the healing plan. You got the plan for your, your rehab. You got the plan for Ahab, whatever. They come up with everything, whatever they can come up with. And by the time they get finished planning, all I can honestly say I heard the week before surgery was, wah, 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 wah. right? Right? Because where I was, you know, there's that old thing, how many licks does it take to get to the center of the touch? I was at how many Advil does it take to get to the center of what I'm feeling to feel better? You're, you're in a whole different, different world of thought, but they're trying to be logical with you to explain, hey, here are the costs of healing. Here's the inconveniences you're going to have. I remember they said, you're going to need a recliner. Well, I'd always said, I'm not getting a recliner because that just means you just sit around all the time, right? I, you know. I wasn't five minutes out of surgery. I need a recliner because I couldn't sit down. I couldn't lean back. I couldn't lay down. I didn't realize that I had missed somewhere in there, right? I had missed it. So when I came out of surgery, I'm like, what in the world? What happened? You know, that's that twilight zone where the lady's like, wait a minute, I thought they were fixing my finger. I mean, it was that kind of, you know, where you're just overwhelmed by, by the process. And the next thing you know, while you're in the middle of overwhelm, they say, okay, you're awake, you're good to go, let's send you home now. And they send you home with your friends. They don't transport you, they don't put you in something safe, they don't buckle you in. They roll you to the door and say, can you drive, you got a license, good, see ya. All right? <laughs> right? And that's when I discovered that Route 17 has 94 bumps between there and home. All right? Anybody's ever had a procedure and you've had to ride down Route 17, every place they put that road together is a bump. You know, somebody said the other day, I can tell you're doing better. I said, why? Because I'm driving you to therapy and you're not going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right? According to the amount, the, the speed at which she went, my, it got, it got faster or slower. But it's the inconvenience. And then they tell you when you're, when you're not feeling good and, and when you're, you're wondering what's going on, everybody has the same answer. It's just going to take time. It's just going to take time. just going to take time. Somewhere in there you're like, I don't have any more time. I can't take it anymore. No, I, I need a, I'm, I'm a destination-oriented person. Is it two weeks from Tuesday? Because I can work towards that. Is it, you told me four to six weeks. Does that mean four? Does that mean six? Is it seven? Are you lying to me? I need to know now because it's freaking me out. Do, do, you, get, do, you, do you get where I'm going? We all have a destination in mind. When we're going through things where stuff is changing and God is moving or, or bodies are healing, we are impatient for the process. It is exceptionally inconveniencing. Isn't it amazing how inconveniencing something good for you can be? It could bring you to that point where like, that first day, uh, three days after surgery, they said, well, you need to come to physical therapy. I said, okay. I get to physical therapy. And as I go into this room, and of course, they all know Buddy because he's had everything replaced. So he's like, he's got a wing dedicated over there, right? And so I go into this little room. Everybody else is out in the middle of the floor. 
But they look at me and they say, no, you come over here. And we go in a little room and they shut the door. And as he takes this off, the weight of my arm hits for the first time. And I just sob. And I cry and I cry and I'm like, oh my God. I said, it's going to fall off. And he said, well, you'll get your money back if that happens. <laughs> he said, no, that's normal. But if it does, we'll give you your money back, I'm sure. And I thought, oh my gosh. And then finally they put me back in and put it back together and said, okay, you know, you just need to go and take more of this and do more of that or whatever. And then I realized why they had me in that little room. Because if I'd have done that in front of all those other people out there, they'd all been, get me out of here. <laughs> I'd have cleared the joint because I was having a meltdown. I wasn't prepared. The time was too short. I wasn't ready. But I, it was a process. I'm already in the process. I don't get to go stop. We do. I love it when people look at me. and I, I'm in the dollar store yesterday, and they say, you know, if you had to do it over, would you do it again? Well, when I get my time machine, I will let you know. <laughs> do you see what I mean? That's a question you can't answer. You're like, well, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm waiting to see. Ask me in about three months, and I'll tell you. But right now, you know, I, I'm going to have to say yes because I have no option to say no. That, does that make any sense at all? You know, I love it when people you know, gave me this, the word last week, which was, if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger. What kind of contrast is that? <laughs> Dead or breathing? Pick one. All right, all right, I'm, I'm going to go for the on the ladder okay but anyway so the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of change well you'll change you'll alter what you're doing you'll you'll figure out a different way right so as I began to think about this I thought things there's a lot of things that have become spiritual moments that should not be right when you're in the middle of something and everything is complicated and everything feels hard there are a lot of things uh, you know, so I discovered some more inconveniences of healing. The very thing you're seeking all of a sudden is going to take you right up against something that's going to rub against you and maybe test the people in your life and everyone else at the same time. And you're going to feel like, oh, and they're so frustrating. And they're things like zippers. Zippers are not made for, for left-handed people. I've never been left-handed before. I didn't know that. But, you know, that flap, that's for right-handed people. So I thought, oh, my God, I can't do a zipper. So all of a sudden, I'm dependent on somebody else to go, Tanya, zip. <laughs> right? There's somebody, you got to ask for more help than you wanted to have. The can opener. The can opener is the bane of my existence. I cannot use a can opener, a manual one. you got to use the electric one because you have to hold it with your right hand. Right? And you're going, Angela, this is ridiculous. What I'm getting at is there are these little things when we're going through big changes that can derail the whole bus. And they have nothing really to do with anything other than, all right, let me get the batteries for the electric one. You know, I have one of those little things. But, but you get what I'm saying. There are little things that can all of a sudden bring you to tears. There are seven things here that will bring me to tears. Everything from the, the seat belt that you can't click, the car you can't drive unless you got everything exactly right, right? The cup holder's on the right side. The, the, when you do the parking brake, it's on the right side. Everything, even the shifter, is on the right side. So me and Nicholas on the way today, I'm like, Nicholas, put it in reverse. Mom, really? I said, yeah, hit the button. Well, let me, I said, honey, it's R, let's go. You know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your patience is being, it's wearing on you. Your, things that you just naturally did quickly become a process of thought. And it starts to get on your last nerve that everything you have to think about. 
And now you're tired because your day is now requiring more of you to do silly things that you never even gave a second thought before. Scissors, right-handed people. So when Nicholas came home and he had a project, I need to cut something, and I realized, okay, well, honey, you're on your own. <laughs> Doorknobs. That's another bane of my existence, because you go to get it, and it wants... <laughs> anyway, all right, so I'm boring y'all. Right. Unicorn coffee cups are made for right-handed people. The unicorn horn will poke you straight in the eyeball. All right? Things you learn when you can't use your... And the mouse on the computer, a right click with your right hand is different than a right click with your left hand. After I deleted the word document three times, I realized I'm done with this, all right? So. And that special coffee cup that you use all the time with the top lid where you screw it in so it won't spill, it's on the opposite side, so you can't, you gotta, okay, anyway, so, all right. <laughs> But again, these are comfort things. Me and coffee, that's a comfort food to me. I love coffee. So when I go to have coffee, all of a sudden, a unicorn's trying to kill me, and my, my, my mug that won't spill is, is prohibiting me from drinking anything. Do you see how all of a sudden, little silly things are grating on your nerves and wearing away the grace of receiving your healing, and the next thing you know, you got an attitude problem. Anybody? I'm the only one? All right. So, the things you take for granted, someone else is praying for. It never even occurred to me a lot of the things that I take for granted every day. And you want something to shut you up quick? Go in to your PT and see somebody that's amputated or paraplegic or quadriplegic. You will shut up quick because I know this is going to get better. I'm inconvenienced by the process of healing. But there is someone far worse than this. And we're not supposed to just go, oh, well, let me go find something worse to look at. But no, if they can, and when I see somebody smiling with no arm doing their PT, what is wrong with me? Do you get, do you get what I'm saying? The level of grace, the level of learning that's going on there, that's permanent. And I'm, I'm upset over temporary unicorns poking me in the eyeball. Do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? So the things you take for granted, someone else is praying for. Again, when the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of change, you'll change. Again, that's not just physical. That's just about everything. But Jesus, when he went to the cross, he went and he ran toward that pain because he said, look, that, that pain of remaining the same is going to be far greater than you guys realize if I don't endure it because the pain of eternity, the pain of, of hell, the pain of separation from God is far greater than any of us can comprehend. Because we get bent out of shape over unicorn cups and can't put the car in park. We have no real capacity to understand the depth of what he really saved us from. So at some point, we've got to realize that pain of change is met with the grace of God so that when we come through change, healing is on the other side and the inconvenience was worth it because the destination is eternity. So when Jesus embraces us, he's telling us, look, that pain of remaining the same, when you get to that place you want to change, I will meet you there. You're not going to be alone. I am with you as a promise, and he always keeps his promises. He never lies, not once in the Bible, ever. And so when he embraces you and he says, look, if there's change that you're seeking, if there's change that you need, I'm here to help you. 
You're not going to be alone. So when we become gracefully broken, that's when we are able to receive the grace of God into the situation that we're in, no matter what it is, and acknowledge, look, I'm falling short here, or this hurts there, or they hurt me here, or I wish I were there, or I can't stop this, I wish I could do that. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. But when the grace of God meets brokenness, there's something incredible that happens in that transformation. And grace works best on messy people. If you have no need and you got it all together, you don't understand the power of the grace of God. But you find yourself in a situation where you've lost somebody or you're hurt or, or uh, anguish at work or anguish over a loved one or someone's broken your heart and you're a little bit messy. And then your seeking of God's, God's grace and comfort and peace intensifies. You appreciate it more when you've been through some stuff. And I'm willing to bet there's nobody here or there that has not been through some stuff. The difference is, did you know you could ask him to help you? Did you know that he's willing to meet you? Did you know that there is nothing that you go through that exceeds his expertise? Grace is the most needed and best understood in the midst of sin, suffering, struggle, and brokenness. When things aren't right, grace is amazing. And I'll be real honest with you, folks. 99.9% .9 of the time, all of us have something that's just not quite right. We need the grace of God every day. While everybody desperately needs it, grace is really not about us. Grace is about the love of God. His, his uncoerced initiative. In other words, you don't manipulate him into it. He wants to help you. It's pervasive. It's extravagant demonstrations of care and favor for you, for us. It's about him, his unique ability to be something special to each one of us at our point of need, always. Grace is God offering himself to each of us. Saying, I'll meet you where you are. I'll help you go where you need to go. Can I go with you? And often, that last part, we reject. We say, we know you, God. I know you love me. But I've always been this way. It's just the way I am. My mom was this way. My dad was that way. It's just the way I am. There's really no seeking of stepping over that chasm and returning that curse void of, no, I will not be that. I will be this. Because, see, God can change your future. Your past, you know, there's that old adage that the past is indicative of the future. That is not true under the grace of God. All of those things that, that have come up behind you that you've experienced do not have to be defining moments because when the grace of God is applied to them, they can then be teaching moments for someone else. As you step out and say, look, no, 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 no. I'm not in there anymore. Shake it off. I'm over here. But there's a decision. There's that decision to grab him by the hand and say, yes, Lord, please help me. Christians live by, by grace every day. Yeah, we say it all the time. We say, oh, by the grace of God. But by the grace of God go I. We say that all the time when we hear something catastrophic happening to somebody. We receive forgiveness according to the riches of God's grace. So he went to the cross. He graciously accepted our sin. 
He died. He rose from the dead. He appeared. He said, look, you don't have to go through that. That was a, an exceptional demonstration of his grace and provision for eternity. Now, if he will do that to spare you from eternity, and eternity separated from him, don't you think he is willing to do whatever is necessary to help you through each and every day till you get there? We have this tendency to look at God and say, well, you know, there was Easter, and then there's eternity. Okay, well, I believe in God, and I'll get with the other stuff when I get there. But there's a whole life in the middle. It says, I've not only called you to, have you to give you life, but life more abundantly. I want that abundance that God promises. I want him to provide my every need. I want him to, to hear my prayer. I know he does. I want to believe and receive the the grace that he wants to provide daily for my shortcomings. But the only way I see God in my shortcomings is for me to see my shortcomings. If you got it all together, you don't need God. Have you ever met a graceless person? You know, they're the ones that don't mind saying what they think and cussing you out when they feel like it, or, excuse me, flipping the bird on the interstate, or whatever it is that they need to do. I know that's kind of crass analogy, but it's the truth. They're graceless. Instead of just saying, oh, well, whatever, let them go. It has to turn into a thing. It has to all of a sudden become an enraged moment, and it's really nothing. That's a graceless moment. You know, grace, I told somebody yesterday, there's a difference. You can be a, a zero or a hero. Grace is that determining factor. You know, when, you, when your attitude freaks out, you went to the zero side, but when you just kind of go, all right, Lord, whatever, and let it go. Now you're, ex now you're in the grace. Not only the grace to give them some, but the grace for God to give you some. Amen. So Paul tells us the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. What he's saying is that without the grace of God, it's hard to be, quote, good. It's hard to make right decisions. It's hard to live a godly life because we're fleshly people. We flesh out. We freak out. Uh, I had somebody tell me the other day they were in Walmart, and, you know, they had, like, you know, the 900 cash registers, and only, like, seven of them had cashiers, but the computer went down. <laughs> and people were going nuts. They were going ballistic. Because, oh my goodness, in that moment when things interact with your expectation that don't meet your satisfaction, that's when that choice button is ready to go. Okay, am I going to put the pedal on flesh or am I going to step back in grace? Because let's all face it, five more minutes in Walmart, really? Get out of line, go do some shopping, because it's what we do. We go in for one thing, come out with 50. It's what we do, people. Right? So there, there is this uh, ability, the grace gives us the ability to say, God, you know, I, I want to be self-controlled. Help me not to do what I want to do, but to do what you want me to do. There's a conscious decision there where you feel it coming. You know, when your ears turn red and you know it's about to come out, and you, there's that conscious decision to go, Lord, I'm just going to say nothing. And I'm not talking about, have you ever seen the dramatic nothing? Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Somebody's mad, and they're not just, you know, when, some, when you're upset about something and you look at somebody, I'm picking on you today, Marie, but you, you're looking at somebody and you go, okay, well, all right, I'll see you later, and you do that. All right, that's, you're trying to be gracious. You're going to get in the car, murmur to yourself on the way home, right? Because you know you're mad, but you didn't say nothing, right? But if it's a graceless kind of walk away, you're like, 
All right. You didn't say nothing, but you said everything. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, you gave her the Z snap on the way out. All right. So, <laughs> you know, so, so we, 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 we skirt the edges sometimes of understanding that, that self-control that grace can give us. Spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through relationship with him during difficult situations. And we learn the power of grace and mercy. So when you spend time with him and you get to know his character and nature, you begin to understand how better to imitate him. And then all of a sudden it becomes a natural reaction because the word of God is in your heart and you hear those scriptures tell you, so you do for the right reason, which is you want to honor God by being more like him, even though whoever it is deserves something else. You're going to let God take care of that. Does that, am I, am I getting too real here? Am I going too far? Too many Advil? Y'all all right? Okay. <clears throat> but it's that relationship with God that gets you through those difficult situations. Some situations you can plan, like I scheduled a surgery, but I did not plan to mess it up in the first place, right? So there's an inconvenience that comes. And, and in those situations that spring up on you, that surprise you, like when all of a sudden mom has a heart attack after dad has passed away, that was a total surprise to me, totally unprepared. However, I knew a Lord and personal Savior that loved me, who already knew how to comfort me and help me, so that I could hold it together to do whatever I needed to do because I knew when I called on him, he heard me. And my relationship with me gave me with him, gave me that confidence to know it was not in vain. You know, when you meet with people that are unsure of their relationship with God, they will say things like, well, <clears throat> I'm not sure if he heard me. I'm not sure if so-and-so is in heaven. They start having these questioning conversations. And when you say, well, did they know Jesus? Well, yeah. They were baptized. They had this. Did they accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior? Yeah. Then why are you questioning? Because it's a fact. It is a fact. Can you accept the fact? Well, I just can't wrap my... Okay, you can't wrap yourself around it. Thank you, Jesus. But he wrapped himself around them. You've got to get to that place where you walk in confidence that eternity is real, that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and every provision mentioned in the book is for you. I don't know where my Bible is, but I need to shake it. Every, everyone in here, right? Everyone in here has your name in it. Every single one of them. And if you can get to the place where instead of questioning if God loves you enough for that to be true, you get right to the point of the matter, which is he died on the cross because he did love you, it's done. Now start living like it. Act like it. Believe that God loves you. That what you're going through isn't him punishing you. He is helping you gracefully get to where you need to go. Amen. Maybe there's something more God has for you. Grace transforms our desires and motivations and behavior. In fact, God's grace grounds us and empowers everything in the Christian life. God's grace is sufficient. I kept looking up grace. I guess I was needing it so much. So I guess today I'm just going to share with you the scriptures that I found that, that were encouraging me, right? So, you know, the, as I one arm flip through my book, I'm finding grace is the basis for our Christian identity. By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
Whatever that is, by God's grace, you are who you are. And that's in Corinthians. Our standing before God, uh, this grace in which we stand in Romans, it's a, it's, a, it's a firm place that you can count on, that there's a grace that's applied to our lives. Grace is the basis for our behavior. We behaved in the world by the grace of God. In other words, the world came after us, the temptations were there, but because I had a relationship and I knew God and I didn't want to do things to hurt him because I love him, the grace of God sustained me, helped me to make better decisions, helped me to say I'm sorry when I need to say I'm sorry, ask forgiveness when I blow it. That isn't a guarantee of perfection, it's a guarantee of direction. Amen. Grace is the basis for our living. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. He is the grace of life. Grace is the basis for our holiness. God called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose and grace. Remember when he ascended, what did he say? I've called you, now you go do more. He extended that to you, that calling went on to you. Our strength for living, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Because his grace is extended to you. And what did Jesus' grace do? The, the woman at the well, he, he, he healed her heart. I really believe is what happened there in my own my mind. But, and, and the blind man on the side of the road. And the guy lowered on the mat. And all the people that were walking by and the loaves and the fishes and all that stuff, his grace was extended to those people at their point of need. Our strength for living, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So when you're downhearted and you feel like, man, I've really failed, oh, brother, can we be hard on ourselves or what? And so when you take that to God and you say, Lord, you know, I blew it. Man, I feel like such a nut job today. You know, there's all these words that we say to ourselves. And you just go to God and you say, look. And you just be still for a minute. And then God, in your heart, you'll hear that still small voice of God saying, still love you. Still here. I'm here. I'm going to help you. You've asked my forgiveness. I give it to you. Now go do it again. Go try to do better tomorrow. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Learn something. I remember when Nicholas was little, he'd get on the bus. I'd say, I love you, son. Go learn something. Right? Learn. That's what we need to do. We need, every day, we need to learn something. Uh, grace is our basis for our way of speaking. Let your speech always be gracious. So if you've got the grace of God operating in your life and, and you want to be more like Jesus, then it's going to change what comes out the pie hole. You're going to do things a little differently. You're going to temperance. Because you want to be more like him. Grace is a basis for our serving. Serve one another as good servants of God's varied grace. Varied grace. Uh, I needed somebody yesterday to help me put the drinks in the car. So the lady at the Dollar General, there's a whole bunch of people in there because we're all using our coupon. You know what I'm saying? And so um, she said, hold up, everybody. I'm a helper. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. I was shocked. And so she helped me put a varied grace. I didn't need that two weeks ago, but yesterday I did. Varied grace. You know, and when you're, somebody's sick and all of y'all made food and stuff and brought it, that was, I, I'm so grateful for you guys. I, I mean, I don't even know how to receive it sometimes. You guys are so generous. But, but it was a, a varied grace. I, I needed that at that moment. Or if somebody here is just 
you know, I know that, that Miles has helped when Buddy needed something, and he said, oh, this is broke, help me, and Miles shows up. That's very grace. He's taking his knowledge, and he said, here, let me help you before you break it further, you know? Or because, that's a, that grace component, and it's in our, our sufficiency. My grace is sufficient for you. That's God encouraging us that we can't exceed his grace. You, you can't out-need God. Right, so you, you don't get to a point where he's like, we get there, where somebody's asking us over and over and over, and all of a sudden we're not answering the phone, or we're going, Phew. right? We get there easily, where all of a sudden we're, we're, we're tired or weary of well-doing. He's not. Our sufficiency, my grace is sufficient for you. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. A lot of words there to say, God is able, are you willing? Everything falls under his grace. Grace is the basis for our response to difficulty and suffering. We get grace to help in the time of need in Hebrews. And when you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Let's try that again. When you've suffered a little while, remember our timing, remember that time thing I was telling you about earlier, right? This is but a blink in comparison to eternity. Six weeks is a blink in comparison to life, the life we are given here, right? It's, it's nothing. At the moment, it seems like everything, but it's really just a blink. But he says, when you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Because he knows there's a, there's a heart issue, there's a mind issue, there's a body issue, and then there's a confidence issue. Can I trust God to take care of me? And then he does. Grace is the basis for our participation in God's mission. Believers receive grace in Acts. They are encouraged to continue in grace again in Acts. They are called to testify in grace. And then Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That grace has extended you. The power and authority of Jesus Christ that's in you is now ready to then extend grace to someone else who does not know him. You are the connection to his grace in your kindness, in your actions, in your words, in your deeds, in your prayers, in your willingness to help. Grace is a basis for our future. God and his grace is everlasting. It says, set yourself hopefully on his grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our hope beyond death, grace through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That grace extended to us that we don't have to fear death, but know that eternity is coming. And grace is the basis for... The gospel is all about God's grace through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul calls it the gospel of grace of God. Gospel of the grace of God in Acts and the word of his grace also in Acts. In other words, when he is describing all of the scriptures together, he says it is a book of grace. All right, so shorthand for what grace is, mercy, not merit. Okay, all of that, mercy from God not merit. You don't earn it. He paid for it. Amen. All right. So, 
here we go. Grace is the opposite of karma, by the way. I hear a lot about karma these days. I work with a lot of millennials, so I hear a lot about karma. Grace is the opposite of karma, which is all about getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. That's what grace is, right? It's the exact opposite. So Dana, you know, Dana wins the prize. She said, oh, I heard you were preaching. Are you going to do a prop? Can I help? So here we go. All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Here we go. All right. So here's a, let me, let me, here, I'm going to give you this for just a second. Here, there's that. I'm going to take that because we're going to, we're going to make a mess, right? Just leave that there for a second. Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm a clicker. See, one-armed. Here we go. All right. Now, when uh, this is us, let's just say this is each one of us, right? We're, we're a vessel, okay? And it's nothing, nothing special, right? It's just a, it's a vessel. And we hope that God will fill it up and do things, but, but life happens, right? So, so Dana, I want you to wrap this in this little thing right here. And then we're going to introduce life. Oh, my. All right? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm right-handed. Did I mention it? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so you set that on. You want to hold that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to let you do that. Cause <laughs> All right, but first, before you do that, uh, we're not going to hurt the table, y'all, I promise. Um, well, all I really want you to think about right here, y'all, is as Dana, I want you to think of something. Anybody that's ever hurt you, anything that's ever happened to you, anything that's left you feeling what you would personally describe as devastated, anybody that said something that stuck with you your entire life, all right, so in that moment that that happened, it's the equivalent of this right here on us. So go for it. I want you to squish that. You said not to break the table. Don't break it. <laughs> now look. Oh, oh, would you like to? <laughs> all right, there you go. All right, here we go. I think you'll, I think you'll be all right. I just, and it's not going to pop. It's, Dana, physics, look, baby, it's, it's covered up. <laughs> Now, I know you can do, but I walk in your neighborhood. You can do harder than that. <laughs> Woo! All right, no, you're not done yet. All right, so now that impacting moment messed it up, right? It's pretty much. But, you know, none of us have had just one of those moments, have we? All right, so, Dana, I think it needs at least a good, I don't know, we'll just make it easy on you, 10 wax. Just go ahead, tear it up. Go ahead. Hit it. You can do it. You acting so dainty, but I know you can do it. Now, nobody's going to ever volunteer again. She did 11, so you are overachiever. <laughs> All right, so that means that that, oh, I don't think we left it. Oh, Dana? Oh, my gosh. All right, here, give me that. Go sit down. All right. It's nothing really, okay? Right, so. Um, so that vessel... You know, when you're born and everything is, you know, you're young and everything's good and nobody said anything mean, nothing bad's happened, the vessel's pretty secure and solid, right? And then life happens. And void of the grace of God, those shards go live life. And shards have a tendency to cut people. Have you ever been around somebody, you don't have to be around them, but just a minute and they will tear you up. Or the expectations are off. Or they don't know how to receive love. Or they don't want to, they're just not kind. Or, or maybe they just expect the worst all the time. 
Something's taught them to expect nothing good to happen because they, don't they haven't received God's grace for what has happened. All right? So the scriptures, I believe, is more than a couple hundred times. It talks about the oil. That oil represents just symbolism of God's grace and mercy and anointing, the Holy Spirit. And so that if we take these pieces of us that are, are left over after something bad has happened and we begin to apply God's Holy Spirit to our lives, what we, what we begin to see is that as we're picking up the pieces, there are things left behind. The goal in going through God's grace is not to become, you ever say to yourself, I just want to feel like myself again. No. You want to be restored better. I don't want to take all the hurt with me so that it becomes the testimony of disaster in my future. But I want to take God's grace with me so that it becomes the testimony of his restoration despite all the hammers in life. So that as we're, we're seeking him and we're saying, God, I really need you to help me. My, my heart was broken. My, uh, my body is sick. Whatever it is. And you begin to apply and seek God's grace and anointing and his Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, please help me. God's desire to bless you increases as you seek him. He always wants to bless you, but he loves it when you seek him. And you allow him to begin to change things for you. So his goal in the middle of all of this, as you're, you're taking your pieces... Because we all have our own individual pieces. And we take those pieces to him. And we apply that grace and oil of God. His goal is at the end of that process to restore you full of him. Awesome. So the oil of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, it's symbolic. It's not required. There's no requirement for you to go anoint people with oil. But we do it out of symbolism to say, hey, let me show you the grace of God. And if you've ever touched oil, you know that once you get it on you, boy, it clings. It's there, right? Hard to get off. Holy Spirit, same way. Once you experience the Holy Spirit, not only is it hard to get off, you don't want it to get off. Right? You, wanna, you want this. Grace is not just about restoration. It's about making you better. He doesn't want to just restore a broken heart. He wants to make it better so that you can extend grace to others. The gospel of grace of God is the message everyone needs. The word of grace is proclaimed from every page of the Bible and ultimately revealed in Jesus Christ. The last verse of the Bible summarizes the message from Genesis to Revelation. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. So, this is where we want to go. This is not where we want to linger. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to help people understand that you love them right where, you do, right where they are and that you want to restore them, that you want to bring them back into relationship with you if they've missed it. You want to help them to know what it feels like to be loved and cared for. And those of us, God, who know you as Lord and personal Savior, just to remind us, God, that each and every day your grace is sufficient and that we, Lord God, need to trust you and seek you and hear your voice and follow your directions. God, if there's anyone right now who questions, you know, I don't know if I'm saved. I think maybe I'm too broke. Let me reassure you right now, you're not. God loves 
messy people. And right now, all it takes is just a few simple words. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died on that cross for my sins. I believe you resurrected and rose from the dead. I believe, Lord God, you love me and eternity is mine. Right now, God wants to just bless you with that love of eternity and that grace that's sufficient for you. He wants you to know that he cares. He wants to pick up all the pieces and not make you who you were, but make you who he longs for you to be which I assure you will be greater than anything you've ever experienced. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name for everyone listening, that, Father, your grace, your anointing, your power and authority in their lives would be revealed and they would see and hear and know, Father, that you are actively working on their behalf. God, we are grateful for all you've done to us, for us and, and to us and, and helping us to, to live, Father, through difficult situations knowing that you're helping us the whole way you you don't father i really feel in my heart lord there's somebody that says but i've been so disappointed give god an opportunity to take care of what it is it's on your heart that you need trust him with it you've had your turn give him a turn I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that as we, Father, give you our cares, the things that are heavy on our hearts, that we feel life lift, and we are encouraged, Lord God, by the, the gentleness and love of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for taking good care of us and loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.